This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Garden of Sound, I'm your host Ian Turner. Today's show is brought to you by 4YP. It's an organisation which was established to support community and positive youth development initiatives. You can find out more about their work at 4YP.org. On today's show, I'm talking to former Zed and Atlas founder Ben Campbell. But before that, huge thanks for coming out last Friday night to Garden of Sound Live at the Exchange in Wilson's Road. It was an amazing night with Lotus, Dear No One and Malenko bringing down the house. And if those three bands are anything to go by, a musical future is in safe hands. Massive thanks to Christchurch Creative Communities, Plains FM, Shannon, Jessica, Chris Martin at 4YP Consulting for all of his help getting the sound sorted, and Preston and the team at The Exchange for being so warm and welcoming to everyone who came along. Midway through the show, I'll be playing a short snippet of some of the performances from the evening. But first, Ben Campbell. Formerly a Cashmere boy, he set out under the wing of Ray Columbus to take over the album charts, all at an exceptionally young age. He's toured extensively, he's recorded that difficult second album with Zed, formed Atlas, taken some time out, and now he's bought himself a restaurant in Akaroa. But what does the future hold for this incredibly talented and canny individual? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Campbell, on Plains FM 96.9. Ben, I want to start with um, your very first memory of music ever. There's one that I do have, and I'm not sure if it's actually a memory or whether it's a memory because I was told about it from my parents, but it's become a memory in my brain. I can visualise it. And um, and it was when I was two years old, or thereabouts. Uh, my father was good friends with Ray Columbus, and uh, Ray was my godfather, so he used to come around and him and dad would jam and um, write songs and that sort of thing. And when I was two, I was sitting on um, Ray's knee at the piano and they were singing and um, and I was just kind of hitting, hitting the top keys, um, obviously with no idea of what I was doing. But What was your dad's musical experience? Did he play professionally or was it just something yeah, he kicked he, around with? He did. Dad, um, probably a bit like me, he wore a few different hats. Um, he was a, a history teacher um, initially, but played in university bands, um, one called the Grime Street Gang that used to do the, the university circuits and they used to play you know, Blueberry Hill and, and really cool old classics. And he played trumpet and sung and a bit of guitar and he was, he was a big, um, big personality performer. Um, so he went on to um, be managed in London and he went over there to try and create a musical career. Um, and had some successes, uh, but never quite cracked it. Um, he did the, the original um, demo recording of Too Much, Too Little, Too Late, um, which um, went on to be obviously a big number one hit around the world. Um, and then when he came back to New Zealand, he, he got more into his business, but he, he did set up a jingle company and used to write, write and record and sing jingles for various businesses around New Zealand. Is your dad still with us? No, he died in 2005. So that was, um, what, 13, 13 years ago now, pretty much. But he was a massive, massive influence in in my life with music and uh, I think also with 
some of the other like the Z boys um, he was a bit of a mentor to all of us and he, he gave us a lot of uh, structure and support and encouragement you just always write letters to each of us individually about the things that we can be working on and setting goals and uh, obviously his relationship with Ray was very helpful for getting our career started because it got the songs in front of Ray and um, and Dad even paid for our first round of demo recordings where we all jumped in the back of the Pajero and drove from Christchurch to Auckland and recorded at the lab studios, I think. Uh, Why all the way up to Auckland? Were facilities not sufficient in Christchurch? Ah, I'm not sure. I was 14, 15 at the time, and I think, yeah, I think potentially the facilities were a bit better in Auckland at the time and Ray was up there and uh, you know just a, maybe it was even just a good excuse to do a road trip you know? it was very fun I remember staying at the Takapuna um, camping grounds and um, we spent sort of 17 and a half hours straight in the studio and recorded uh, you know 30, 30 demos pretty much live with Chris Vandergeer who was the uh, he was in Second Child at the time great Kiwi band they had an album called Slinky and um, and then he became well he is uh, and always has been the guitarist of Stella, so um, he was right there at the beginning of our journey and he's become a close friend. So thirty demos—that's a heck of a lot for a band aged around fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, yeah. The other two boys, Nathan and Adrian, were two years older than me, so uh, and we were a three-piece at the time. And uh, you know the music was a lot different. There was. Um, a lot different back then before we sort of um, went more into the pop rock realm. It was, I was playing piano and because um, Nathan and I started out as a duo at school and we were called Nat and Benny. <laughs> um, I think I was 13 at the time. 13. <laughs> it's very safe. It was very safe. So when you talk about the style uh, different to, to Z, uh, would there be sort of influencing artists for that particular thing? The likes of um, George Michael, Elton John, um, with acoustic piano, big vocals, um, and song-based, I think they, you know, they were the influences back then. Um, and then, what are we talking, 1993, and I think that was when I started moving out of um, my parents' um, you know, musical education of the older stuff and started really discovering grunge and, you know, um, Britpop. And, and that's when the music, the styles changed effectively around that stage because I started going, hey, wow, Radiohead, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Oasis, Blur, Supergrass. Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple Pilots. Actually, Stone Temple Pilots came a bit later for me. Yeah. That was when Andy Lynch joined the band, which was 1998. And he came from a much more American rock guitar. Um, well, that, that was the music he loved, whereas I'd come more from that, probably more the British side of things. And he introduced me to, um, you know, the Pearl Jams, and, and in particular Stone Temple Pilots. He loved, he loved STP. Um, yeah, and they all, yeah, the influences changed. And as a result the sound of the band changed and we decided okay well we don't really need a, a piano player we need a bass player so I jumped on bass and hey we need a drummer so we brought Adrian in who was one of Nathan's friends at school and then we became a three-piece and bought some distortion pedals and an electric guitar and went let's you know let's set up in the garage and have a go. I want to take it back where does your mum sit in all of this? Is she musical at all? 
Mum mum is fairly musical. Um, she loves music, and she you know, she was never a musician per se, but she played piano, um, and she was always very supportive and encouraging of of music. But it wasn't um, it, it wasn't a career for her as as it was for me, and and nearly was for my father. You spent a lot of time playing piano. Obviously, the bass. Had you played much before? Yeah, I, I learnt music on piano really, and uh, a little bit of trumpet and bits and pieces. And the bass guitar came a little bit further down the track. And really, it was it was picked up because Zed, um, which wasn't Zed at the time, needed a bass player. What was it before Zed? Um, Supra. Supra, as in Nissan. Yeah, and then we changed our name because there was this. It was a car. Do you enjoy playing bass? Uh, you know, bass um, it has it has its role, it has its function. But um, do you enjoy playing it? Not particularly. No. There you go. Um, I always piano was my instrument, and, and the versatility in playing piano. You know, being able to have the bass, the chords, the melody, and all the different textures and the rhythms. Whereas bass, you're you're fairly limited to. Um, you know, sticking at that bottom end, and you're, you're, you're tying the rest of the harmony to the, to the rhythm of the drums. Um, there's some room for some melodic stuff, and um, obviously the rhythm of it's very important. But you know, rhythm wasn't my strength. I was about melody and improvisation and stuff on the piano. The rhythm was, was okay. You know, I can't play drums. I'm terrible. Put me on a drum kit. I imagine we would have had a very different Z had you stuck to yeah piano. Yeah. Ever considered? Um, Revisiting uh, some of the some of the tracks, we got a we got a reunion on the way. Oh, hey, we we occasionally get together and do things. We played at the um, the Lions All Blacks Test in Eden Park, um, not this winter that's just been, but the winter before, and that was great. You know, just just to revisit those tracks, and I'm sure that we will come. To, we're coming up on our 20 year anniversary um, yeah. for the album release. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll do something for that. Is there a reissue on the cards? A remaster? Have to talk to Universal Records. Give them a call. I think it's still Adam Holt that's running that. Okay, we will. Yeah. Yeah, a remaster. You have brought up a whole heap of influences Mm. along the way. Um, Is there any any specific track from any of those artists that you'd like to, to play now? I mean, I'd love to play a Keith Jarrett track um, for some jazz improv or I'd love to play some Rachmaninoff from the classical influence. What we're probably more interested in is what influenced, you know, the the music that um, was um, published. Um, so that's, uh, you know, the pop rock side of things. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to go with a track um, by Radiohead called Just, which was off their second album. Um, the Bends and it was such an influential album at the time for me and I think for um, the other Z boys because it was this mix of pop music with uh, great melodic guitars um, interesting rhythms and um, you know with Tom York's vocal there's still a lot of emotion um, coming in and I'm so pleased that Radiohead have stayed together and had this incredible musical journey where they've gone from Pablo Honey and Creep and all that through to what they're doing these days which is just you know really shaped um, modern pop music yeah they're they're fantastic so Radiohead just (laughs) 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Campbell on Plains FM 96.9. Ben, I want to talk about concerts and gigs and all the fun things you go off to as a, as a youngster. What was the first event that you, um, you attended or paid some money to go along to? Uh, I can't quite remember whether it was Smashing Pumpkins or Porter's Head ah. at the Christchurch Town Hall. Um, but both of those, I think it was Smashing Pumpkins. And I remember at the end of it, Billy Corgan playing all his guitar strings off very indulgently with, you know, multiple layers of delays and effects and just having it feeding back through the system and going, wow, wow, this is cool. 
very cool. So gig-wise, where was the first place that you performed outside of school? Was it a Nat and Benny thing? No, it was a Z thing, and uh, it was after we did those demo recordings. So Ray Columbus took those demo recordings and went to Warner Chapel Publishing in Australia and said, hey, I found these boys in Christchurch, and uh, I'd like to work with them. I think they've got something going on. What do you think? And they said, yeah, we agree, we'll support this. And they, they gave us a publishing advance to record the first uh, three singles independently. Um, and at that stage, we went, right, let's play a gig and set it up at The Edge, I think it was called, in Christchurch. Um, had to have my parents there because I was obviously underage. Hereford Street from yeah, I think from it, memory. It now, it's, the now it's the Rockpool. Yep. That's right. And has been the Rockpool since before the earthquakes. And... Um, and Ray, because you know, because Ray was um, fairly well connected, arranged to have some media there, and um, and it got quite a lot of um, publicity. I think on you know on the late night news shows and that sort of thing that these you know fifteen year olds from Christchurch had signed a publishing deal, and especially um, introduced by such a legend. Yeah, yeah, he pedigree. knows what's what. That's right, um, and and so the sales and marketing began. Um, and I remember that interview um, at the. I remember watching it, at, and they interviewed Dad, and um, and the the very end of the interview was right. So where to from here? His name was Arch. Where to from here, Arch? And he said, "Well, I'm going to pop them to bed with a cup of cocoa," and, <laughs> which was not very rock and roll, but keeping it real. When I look when I look back on it, it was really cute. So yeah. musically, how much um, influence did Ray? have on the production of that uh not much ray um he let us do the musical thing um he was a mentor and um and obviously managed to structure things and connect us with the right labels and the right people um agents all that sort of thing but musically he he just let us do that he found the producer that we ended up using, David Nicholas, and he was a, he was an Aussie man who's become still a, still a good friend, um, and he had worked closely with In Excess over various albums and um, and Elton John and bits and pieces. Uh, and he produced a little bit, but mainly he'd been an engineer, uh, and he I think he actually ended up working with Fur Patrol a little bit after us as well. Um, so he had. A big effect on our sound when we went into the studio, um, along with Ned Manders, who was doing the um, doing the, the engineering, and he still he does a lot of producing and engineering around New Zealand. He's one of the, the top guys now, um, fantastic musician as well. Twenty years it can't have all gone swimmingly. Hmm. Uh, what hasn't gone to plan over that time? I think. You know, the the growth tra- trajectory of the brand and of what we were doing was all on, you know, it was going perfectly until we signed to the US label. So we basically transitioned out of our contract with Universal New Zealand and signed to Interscope in, uh, out of LA, which Jimmy Iovine, um, it's his label, and the artists on it at that time were just, you know, it was the biggest and it was the best. And... Um, and we thought, yes, this is it. We've made it. And uh, we didn't. We went over to America to record that second record. And for some reason, the magic just kind of disappeared out of 
the music because I, th- I think of the people we were working with and the expectations around what they wanted us to sound like. It was um, the first album we were left to our own devices to just create music, and the second album they you know they wanted a guitar pop rock record, which well, you know we're talking 2002, 2003, which um, they could then market. When did you realise that, you know, this isn't going to be as, as big as the first album? Um, probably, I think we expected it to be big still, because all of a sudden there was a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of hype around it with the American label, and they were throwing money at it, um, and, they, you know, they know how to talk the talk, those labels, and they, you know, so you, we were expecting it to be, um, we were expecting to be the next big thing in America, you know, which had always been the dream right from the beginning. And Ray had always said to us, "Look, um, his dream had always been to have a number one in America, and he hadn't got there, and he wanted to achieve that through us. So that became our goal and ambition um, to get the number one in America for yourselves or for Ray. Oh, a, th- a bit of both, I think." You know, that's, that's kind of the pinnacle of, you know, pop music success is to have be number one on the Billboard charts in America. You've talked about, obviously, you know, there's 300 odd million folks over there, so a much bigger market than the UK. But you talked about your experience from the, the UK. Did you not want to, to get over there and perhaps yeah. get into it? And we did. We spent quite a bit of time um, based out of Berlin um, and touring through Germany and, and UK um, and releasing and, and played lots of shows over there you know we we, we did the hard yakka um which was great fun um and it was starting to um starting to gain some traction and then my father got ill um and made the decision to come home and be with the family for um for that and we, we sent another friend over to go play bass and the boys kept um touring and trying to sort of crack the markets um but I think with that whole process, we all, we all ended up a little bit disillusioned with um, with the, the album and with the label and um, where it was going, and decided to take an extended break. Um, and and we're still on the extended break. Is there any advice that you'd pass on to little Ben, perhaps after the release of the first album? Oh, uh, you know, or earlier. I think it all went as it was supposed to go. Because, I mean, here we are now, and um, life is good, and things are good. And what a amazing experience and a ride it was being a part of that band Z. And um, it took us right around the world. Uh, you know, we played, I think, 13, 14 shows with Coldplay when they released Parachutes. And, um, and with Robbie Williams, you know, through Australia and New Zealand, we played lots of shows with big artists and and we we really got to experience that that feeling um i don't know maybe maybe i'd say to little ben hey don't stop playing piano and you know stick to the piano because that was that was a real passion okay i want to move on to some more music what's one of your favorite tracks and it's a difficult question because you have such a wide musical 
sampling. Mm, the spectrum. What's the track um, you want to play for the um, Garden of Sound listeners? Yeah, I want to. I'm going to play Fleetwood Mac, uh, Dreams, just because it's about as close to musical perfection as you can get. And it's been a song that my family's always listened to, loved. My sisters love it, still love it. And they're yeah, just fantastic. For the music nerds out there, um, specifically, what do you love about the track for us to uh, to listen closely to? Mm. Stevie's it, voice? It's, no, maybe? I mean it's not. It's not just Stevie's voice. It's the way that it's all come together to create. Just uh, there's a sparkle to the overall song and the rhythm, the tempo, the emotion, the emotion that it brings, the the harmonies, the the dynamics between you know, ah, uh, the accents with the, you know the way the the drum the drums and the rhythm accent the melodies. It's just it's pop perfection. And it stands the test of time till now. It's even the sound, you know, the, the quality of the recording still is great. Dreams, Fleetwood Mac.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Campbell on Plains FM 96.9. Thanks for being part of Garden of Sound. As I mentioned earlier, Garden of Sound Live ran last Friday and it was the biggest Garden of Sound Live event yet. I just want to play you a small snippet of some of the acts from the night. Is it sinking, falling down? Love forever, love is Lotus, Dear No One and Malenko, who will all be appearing on Garden of Sound in the weeks to come, so stay tuned for those programs. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Campbell on Plains FM 96.9. I want to talk about making music. You've, you've, made, you've made a little bit of music yeah, over the year, over the which years. is quite cool. Yep. Um, Obviously, you sing a bit, you play some keys, mm. a little bit of bass and so on. What about, what about production and so on? Yeah, I have done some production. Um, I actually worked a little bit with Robert Lamb, who was in the band, American band Chicago. Um, when he came to New Zealand and we put together a, a live DVD and bits and pieces. Um, and that was probably the beginning of my production work, um, which then actually ended up being um, quite a fortuitous connection because when we went over to LA to release the album... Um, uh, we connected with a, a young man from Kentucky who was driving us to and from um, studio sessions and the concert. And one night he played us a song on the guitar and I went, hey man, you're very talented. Um, so we brought him back to New Zealand. I think he was 18 at the time. Brought him back to New Zealand, got him his um, visa and we st- he ended up being the lead singer of the band that I started after Zed, which was called Atlas. Um, so his name was Sean from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and then worked on production with Atlas, but mainly on a sort of pre-production um, stage and uh, applying all the things that I'd learnt through Zed and working with the different producers and labels and um, to um, build this Atlas band and... Um, where did Atlas come from? Where did the name come from? Um, the I traditional think, I, sense, or was it yeah, just? I, I, think, I think it was because we were, we were talking about how you know Sean's from America, we're from New Zealand, we're from you know from around the globe, um, and it, it just felt like a strong name at the time. It seemed to represent what we were doing, um, you know. And where did Z come from? Um, that's right at the end of the alphabet, isn't yeah, it? Well, that's right. And the, Ameri- the, and the Americans don't say Z, they say Z. Z. Yeah, I remember Ray was saying, oh, they'll love that. The, you know, Zad, what's Zad? 
Oh. We'll lap it up. <laughs> we'll lap it up. So what have you been working on currently? So I've just got back from Iceland um, where I've been working with my girlfriend, Hera, and she she currently lives over there. She spent half of her life in New Zealand and half of her life in Iceland, and we now have a, um, a long-distance relationship where we, where we commute between Iceland and New Zealand every three months or so. It's so a she, hell of a commute. It is a bit of a commute. Now, I've got it down now, though, because you can fly direct to LA and then from LA to Reykjavik in Iceland, and it's... It's only about 22 hours in the year, so it's not as bad as some of those early trips where it was, you know, 60 hours by the time you put your commutes and that sort of thing. Um, so there's an album coming out from from Hera. You're playing on that? Yeah, playing, singing, um, a bit of songwriting. You know, there's quite a few tracks that Hera and I have written together over the years, and um, even a track or two which um, were originally earmarked for Atlas. Um, or Z, but but we, um, uh, you know, they didn't work for whatever reason. So Hera and I have had another go at them and written new choruses or new lyrics and that sort of thing. And uh, and and they're sounding really cool. I'm really happy with how this album's coming together. I think it's going to be um, a, a nice feeling getting it finished and mastered and released. What's the timing for that? Uh, it's ready for mix now. So actually, three tracks are mixed, and the other six or seven, um, we're just putting some little finishing touches on. Um, the cool thing about this project is it's a collaboration between, you know, me and Hera. Um, it's Hera's album, but um, a collaboration with you know a, a Kiwi and an Icelander, and then that's followed through for the musicians as well. So um, we've got a number of um, New Zealand musicians that Hera. Uh, and myself have worked with over the years and then a number of Icelandic musicians and we just sent the files across um, and everyone adds their bit and sends it back and uh, and it's a really interesting way of, of doing it and it's cool because you never, never know when you open that file what they've put on there um, so Andy Lynch the old Z guitarist um, he's got the tracks at the moment and um, when we spoke to him last night he was saying yeah I've got Two of them cooking in the oven, and um, and they're sounding good. And I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks they'll they'll come back, and um, and they're pretty much the last bits to go on. And when he sends his stuff, it's always exciting because he's just so good, and he's got all these um, toys to play with, and you're never quite sure, you know. He, and the musical pedigree, he yeah, he knows what's yeah what's going to work. I mean, it's like Andy, can you put some guitar on this? And he'll send it back, and there'll be piano and percussion and um, and and hey, is that a guitar? I can't quite tell because he's you know just put heaps of effects on it. Anyone else we know working on the record? Uh, Jed Parsons, Hera and Jed were together for um, musically together, not together together. Um, he's another outstanding Christchurch musician. He's just released his first album, um, uh, and we've all worked together a lot over the years on different projects. So it's nice to be able to um, have him featuring on Hera's album as well, with, um, just to tie that all through. I think it's about time to listen to some more music. We should probably just play like one of the one of the Z or Atlas hits, you know, cause so that people go, "Oh yeah, that's right, I know that." Play Atlas. So we're going to play um, a song called "Crawl," which um, was written with that um, young man from Kentucky, from Louisville, Kentucky, and with my little sister Beth, who um, was the female vocalist in Atlas. Um, so the three of us wrote that together with help from our friend Moses who um, was the original guitarist in that. <laughs> 
So this is Cruel from 2007, 2008. It was number one for, I think, two and a half months or thereabouts in New Zealand. Nine weeks. Something like that. Oh, and the music video for this was influenced by the Radiohead song Just that I played earlier. Um, so if you can find it on YouTube or something and you, you look at those two music videos, you'll see some uncanny... i tell you what I'll do. For those Garden of Sound listeners, I will put both tracks, both YouTube clips, on Ben's page. So head to gardenofsound.nz forward slash Ben hyphen Campbell and you can see that right now. Fantastic. Just 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Campbell on Plains FM 96.9. Ben, uh, we've just just heard Crawl. Um, what's your best musical memory or or project you worked on? What's the thing that's given you the most warm fuzzies? Yeah, I had that, that first Z album. I, I think I'm always going to be pretty proud of that, you know, because we were yeah, still teenagers, or I was. I think the boys had just turned 20, and it, it was an amazing feeling getting that um, getting that done and out and having you know the reaction that people had to that you know the sales and that, that was beautiful but I think what topped that was um, that song that we just listened to Crawl um, it went number one on the New Zealand um, single charts when we released it and with Zed we'd had great success but we'd never had a number one single mm-hmm. we'd had a number one album and I think a number two single and all that stuff um, and when when this debuted at number one I remember we just erupted and the, all of us and um, just jumping up and down it was it was such a good feeling and then it stayed at number one for you know a number of weeks, and each Wednesday we'd get together and we'd be hitting refresh on um, on the chart page to see where it was going to be that week, and it just it almost became a joke. Where you know two months later it was still number one. It was an amazing feeling. So what was the feeling when it finally dropped down? It was like no, it's probably about time really, um, and it did. It dropped down. Um, for a couple of weeks and then it jumped back up to number one which um, I was like hold on what's going on here and I remember the label or um, engine on air or someone at the time saying hey so you guys um, are now the second longest running number one New Zealand single since Dave Dobbin's Slice of Heaven um, and then I think it was Scribe um, we're currently in uh, uh Akaroa today doing the um, doing the show. Um, I want to talk about any other goals outside the um, the music industry. Mm. Like, what are you doing at the moment? What do you want to do? I, Moses said you could be mayor of this town one day. <laughs> the nightmare. Um, <laughs> um, so, what do you want to do um, when the music thing? You know, when the when the label thing and Zed and Atlas and all that kind of finished, and I was a little bit of a loss because it had always been my intention to, you know, be a musician and, and do that. And I kind of, um, I'd been doing it for you know, nearly t- 20 years and was ready for something different. Um, so I, had, I took some time and, and sort of considered what I would like out of life and, um, and lifestyle and that sort of thing. And um, one of the dreams I always had was to get into hospitality. I always wanted to um, have a cafe or a nightclub or a restaurant. Um, and this this beautiful little restaurant in Akaroa came up for sale um, about a year ago. It's called Ma Maison, which means my house. And uh, I bought it and moved to Akaroa. And I've been here for just over a year, um, living full-time for just over a year, except for when I'm in Iceland. Is there anyone that you'd like to... Uh to work with, you talked about all the folks you toured with and so on. There's, you know, a whole heap of history there. Anyone that's uh, out there that you'd still love to do something with? I would love to be able to work with my dad if, um, if he was still with us. That would have been a amazing, amazing thing to do as adults. And you've seen Liam Finn and Neil Finn, they were in Akaroa earlier this year and they played. And just that dynamic between 
the, you know, you can see the the pride with and the cheekiness between them both. I've had a wonderful chat today. Thank you so much for being on the program, Ben. Oh, it's um, a real pleasure. Is there a track you'd like to take us out with today? Yeah, there is a track I'd like to take us out with. Um, and, um, yeah, Beatles. Um, Beatles. Which I, one? I love the Beatles. And, hey, how do you choose? Uh, it's not a favourite song. Who's your favourite Beatle? Uh, John. Yeah. yeah. You're a John guy. I'm okay. a John guy. Um, but, hey, they're just all amazing. George Harrison, I mean, far out. Well, my guitar gently weeps. What a song. How How phenomenal to have three songwriters like that in one group that just wow incredible um and ringo's work on thomas the tank engine <laughs> genius you know stunning yellow submarine the works you know uh, you can't do that anymore you can't have your drummer um jump up and sing a song like which is basically a kid's song and a yeah, they just did everything um and they they set the parameters for the next century of pop and rock music they they um effectively created pop structures and songs and um just before we jump onto a beatles track i just want to ask you have you seen anyone out there that's doing anything that you think this is the next big thing this is going to redefine the way that we create and experience music no i haven't i haven't i think there's some hugely talented people um I really like what Devin Abrams is doing with Pacific Heights, um, and I was working with him over the last few years on on that in a, in a management capacity. And everything he touches just is it's so current and modern, but comes from um, an education of um, uh, you know he knows he knows music and he knows old music, new music, and he he's just fantastic so i'd keep an eye out for him um and whatever he's working on next the next album um another artist i'm really enjoying is agnes obel who's um danish and it's almost folky classical pop and music's just beautiful and ethereal and very well spaced um and what else am I? Oh, hey, look, I could just keep talking. I'll just take take you through the playlist. Play us a Beatles track. Uh, we're going to play um, "In My Life" by the Beatles. <laughs> Love you more 
for my track of the week hot off the press from a former guest on the show Mr Andrew Penman founding member of Salmonella Dub this is Reignite the Dub 7 inch remix
Thanks for joining me today on the show. I hope you enjoyed hearing all about the last 20 years or so from Ben Campbell. Heaps more to come from that man, I can tell you. And if you'd like to find out what he's up to and listen to all the tracks we talked about today, head along to gardenofsound.nz, click on Ben's photo. Before I forget, huge thanks to everyone who follows Garden of Sound on Instagram or Facebook. Very happy to say we just passed 100 likes on the latter. Thanks to Andrea McKinney. So please keep listening, keep writing in, and keep supporting local music. Next week on the show, a singer, dancer, and actress with a big future ahead of her. It's Prince, and you'll be able to hear all about how her first single, Tell Me, is doing, and more about what's coming up in the next few months. Garden of Sound is brought to you by 4YP Consulting, and you can find out more about their work at 4YP.org. I'm Ian Turner. Thanks for joining me today on the show. We'll see you same time next week for Garden of Sound.